for a single soul. Reaching a further and stepping in closer. Welcome to another living life. Uh, what makes a parent a good parent? That's a question that I've been asking myself ever since my second daughter uh, turned one recently. Uh, if you ask my first daughter, she's eight years old, I think this is how she will probably answer. Uh, she'll say a good parent is someone that always plays with her, uh, that allows her to eat anything that she wants and gives her no bedtime. Uh, those are her daily struggles and those are the things that she you know, fights with me each and every day. Uh, but the most, more experience that I have as a parent, uh, I understand a good parent is not one that says yes to everything, that doesn't say yes to all the child's demands and what they want, uh, that allows a child to do whatever he or she would want. That's not what makes a good parent, uh, but it's actually someone who's able to consistently show love, that's consistently show fairness, and is always present in the life of the child. You know, what makes our Father in Heaven a good, good father? Uh, it's just all of that, that His love for us remains the same no matter what, no matter what we do, no matter how we feel, that He's always faithful, and that He is always good, and that He's always present. And that is all what Paul talks about today in Romans chapter 3. Uh, he takes these nuances of God's unchanging faithfulness and shows us uh, what that means for us as the people of God. Uh, so as we think about God's love, as we think about God's faithfulness and His righteousness today, uh, let us read today's passage together. Romans chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. What advantage then is there in being a Jew, or what value is there in circumcision? Much in every way. First of all, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. What if some were unfaithful? Will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Let God be true and every human being a liar, as it is written so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. But if our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, what shall we say? that God is unjust in bringing his wrath on us? I am using a human argument. Certainly not. If that were so, how could God judge the world? Someone might argue, if my falsehood enhances God's truthfulness and so increases his glory, why am I still condemned as a sinner? Why not say, as some slanderously claim that we say, let us do evil that good may result? Their condemnation is just. You know, Paul spent uh, the last chapter, Romans 2, ostensibly just criticizing the Jews on their lack of faith and their misuse of the faith that God provided for them. But now in chapter 3, by using rhetorical questions, uh, Paul aims to answer some of the pushback and some of the questions uh, that, he, that other people might have from him from reading uh, the previous chapter. He begins by saying, what advantage then is there in being a Jew? What value is there in circumcision? And these are two things that he talked about in the previous chapter. You know, we would think there's actually no advantage, right? 
Uh, he spent all of chapter 2 just criticizing and saying that there is no difference between Jew and Gentile, that everyone has to be condemned under the law, that everyone, uh, they should have true faith. It's not about what they received before. And even circumcision could be nothing. Yet for Paul, he actually answers in a very surprising way. He says that there actually is an advantage, that they've been entrusted with the words of God, the 39 books of the Old Testament. As ones who have possessed this book, uh, the Jews are privileged to have it, uh, even though in judgment that it might not matter that they had it before other people. But more importantly through everything, uh, Paul tells us in today's chapter that God's faithfulness remains unchanging. That no matter what happens, God is always faithful and always remain faithful. And he actually quotes in today's passage from Psalm 51. It's a psalm of David that was written after the king had been caught in a sin with Bathsheba. Uh, we all know the story, right? How he took Bathsheba and he ended up killing his servant Uriah through all of that. But afterwards, he's able to say, even after his sin was exposed, that God was just, that God was faithful, and God was fair in his punishment of King David. You know, there was a thinking during Paul's time that God's faithfulness meant that there was nothing bad that would happen to his people. Uh, that if you were his people, an Israelite, a Jew, that only good things would happen to you. That no matter what they did, that God's faithfulness would nullify any consequences. And it doesn't matter if they sinned or didn't sin, that because God was faithful, he wasn't going to allow judgment or punishment to happen uh, to happen to them. You know, Paul wanted everyone to remember that God's faithfulness was always the same, would always be the same, and he'll be a good, good father throughout. Uh, the problem was, uh, people were kind of twisting the concept of it. They were saying, oh, if my father is good, if God is good, then he will never ever punish us for our wrongdoing. And we see other ways that the people were twisting in today's passage as well. Uh, we see in verse 5, he says, but if our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, what shall we say? That God is unjust in bringing his wrath on us? I am using a human argument, Paul says. Uh, certainly not. If that were so, how could God judge the world? Some might agree. Some might argue if my falsehood enhances God's truthfulness and so increases the journey, why am I still condemned as a sinner? You know, this section of uh, chapter 3 is actually a very difficult chapter for us to understand. But he's basically saying that people are arguing that because their wrongdoing brings about God's righteousness to the forefront, it's actually wrong for God to be able to punish their wrongdoing. That, that because their you know, wrongdoings and the bad things, their lies, their sin, leads to God's goodness and righteousness coming out, uh, then in essence, by doing bad things, by sinning, they're actually doing something that is ultimately good and therefore should not be punished by it. It's a very twisted way of thinking. It's actually an excuse for all the bad behavior that they just want to do. They're saying that because God is faithful and God is righteous and God is just and God is love, that he will never ever punish them and give them judgment for the sins. And then, uh, that whatever they do, they should be freed from it. They'll just be blessed. But that's not true at all. Because God is faithful and because God is just and because God is righteous and God is love, that means that every time that sin will be punished and judged and even condemned, even if it comes from him, we know that it will be just. You know, I had a friend who entered his uh, father's company after she graduated from college, and she loved it. And as soon as she went into her father's company, she joined him in his company, uh, everybody was, like, just treated her so well. And it makes sense. Her father was the owner of the company. They were so welcoming. Uh, so she was actually very surprised uh, that the first time she made a mistake, that she actually got in trouble from one of the higher-ups. 
Uh, she was actually very surprised that one of the superiors who actually took her aside and, and, and not, not punished her, uh, but you know, said that you, were, you gave her trouble for all the mistakes that she made. Uh, she had initially thought because she had this relationship with her father, uh, the owner, the boss of the whole place, that would preclude her from getting in trouble. She had this false sense of security. And that's what Paul is preaching against today. Not to abuse God's faithfulness and righteousness. You know, as Jews, they believed that by merely possessing the covenant and having the word of God, they were saved from the threat of judgment no matter what they did. And as Christians, we could fall into this fallacy very easily, just as the Jews did as well. In order for us to be truly secure, means that we need to submit and surrender and give everything, our lives over to Christ and to be able to know Him and proclaim Him as our one true Savior. And we need to live a life of obedience. And only then is that true, true faith. And only then can we rely on God's faithfulness. So today, as we ponder these very difficult words from Paul, uh, let us once again take this time during our QT uh, to first remember the faithfulness of God. That it has never changed, that it will never change at all. That it remains the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. And also be able to take this day and take this time uh, to reflect and meditate on the status of our hearts and the status of our relationship with Jesus. And, and ask ourselves, you know, do we have the right understanding of God's faithfulness? Or are we living today just like the Jews did with a false sense of security? Paul tells us in today's passage uh, that some people were saying to him that if we sin like King David did, that our unrighteousness will magnify God's righteousness. Uh, therefore, the sin is actually not a sin, uh, but an instrument for God's glory. Uh, simply put, if I get caught doing something bad, and the world will know that God is good, therefore I should continue to do bad things without any judgment or any consequences. You know, that's such a a perversion of God's word. Uh, that's just a way of using God's word to do whatever I want to do. So today, let us never twist the word of God. Uh, let us never use the word of God as a justification to do whatever and live however we want. Instead, let us turn to him and his word with a very humble heart and ask, as we have always done, uh, to have his words come alive in us for us to be able to surrender always to his good, good will. Let us pray. Uh, dear Lord, we thank you for giving us these words in Romans 3. And we pray, Lord Father God, that these words will convict our hearts and convict us to be able to be transformed in your image, to be transformed in your spirit. Uh, Lord, there are many, many times when we, are, uh, we try to justify our actions. There are many, many times when we sin and we try to justify it in one way or another. We pray, Lord Father God, that today that we do no such thing, uh, that in the face of you, in your presence, Lord, that we are able to just let go of everything and we are able to truly and honestly and humbly come before you. Uh, Lord, we ask that you are able to just bless us and be with us and we are able to just forgive us for all that we have done. Lord, we pray that always that we are able to come to you, not stiff-necked, uh, but with a very humble and honest heart. Uh, Lord, we thank you and we love you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For a single soul Reaching up further And stepping in closer See